called their bluff and communicate directly to the Kremlin and said, look, this is a humanitarian mission. We're going to escort all these ships that are loaded with grain and any others to come from Odessa directly out through the straits to wherever the ports are, wherever they're supposed to deliver this grain. And we're going to open this up and we're going to protect it. And we're going to have uh, world's greatest air force overhead in international airspace. And if anybody messes with any of our uh, Turkish or Romanian or Bulgarian ships or whoever's escorting, then that ship is going to be uh, destroyed immediately. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Backstory. I'm Dana Lewis. Before the Russian land invasion of Ukraine, February the 24th, the Russian Navy stole the Sea of Azov and the Black Sea coast from Ukraine under the auspices of conducting a military exercise. Some exercise. Two dozen Russian warships moved into the area, blocking Ukrainian ports and launching missiles into Ukrainian cities. And as this war has dragged on, the Navy has kept its stranglehold on Ukraine's southern coast denying merchant vessels access to Ukrainian grain. The UN is warned of a hurricane of hunger. This is the breadbasket of the world. Ukraine and Russia supplying some 40% of grain to the world. Russian leader Putin has used food to hold the world hostage, say critics. And food prices have jumped in Africa and Asia. Stored grain in Ukraine is rotting in ports. New harvests, soon ready for export, can't make it past Russian warships either. Putin now says he will let the food be exported if Western sanctions on Russia for its invasion of Ukraine are lifted. Dream on. What's the world to do? Well, as you're about to hear, there is a growing movement to break the Black Sea blockade. And soon. All right, Sir Lawrence David Freeman is a professor of war studies at King's College in London, and he has been described as the Dean of British Strategic Studies. Uh, hi, Professor. Hi. It's very kind of you to, to talk to us. You are in Davos hmm. uh, for the economic forum, but this is where billionaire financier uh, George Soros yesterday talked about the invasion of Ukraine of Ukraine as the beginning of World War III and the best way to preserve free civilization was for the West to defeat President Putin. I mean, you, you, you couldn't make this any more dramatic uh, and, and put more on the table in terms of the risks to civilization right now than that statement. Do you agree? Um, I think we have to be careful how we frame it. Um, I think the starting point uh, I mean, first, it, it, it is striking that this is sort of, as, as people have been saying, uh, a Ukrainian Davos. I mean, it, it's dominating all discussion. Secondly, uh, the basic objective of the Ukrainians is to recover all of Ukraine. Um, it's not to overthrow Putin. Uh, it, 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 there's no uh, attempt to uh, threaten Russian territory itself. Um, their objective is to get their country back um, and then uh, to get on with the enormous task of reconstruction. And I think that uh, is, is how it's best framed. If we start putting it in terms of uh, uh, defeating Putin, uh, in one sense, yes, it's important because he, whatever he thought he was going to be 
able to achieve in Ukraine, it's important that he doesn't achieve it. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that we can set on a campaign to for sense regime change in Moscow. That'll happen by Russian means, by Russian people, if it, if it happens at all. Um, and what we mustn't do is set ourselves uh, objectives by which if we actually do see Ukraine recover its territory, in some sense that will be seen to have been a failure of some sort. It'll be an amazing achievement. Um, uh, so I think so I think I would I would focus the objectives are on a more limited sense, uh, but, but still very demanding, rather than the question of what happens to Putin. There is an issue which will affect questions of sanctions of what do you do if Ukraine um, has re returned, uh, got its territory back, and Putin is still in power. Uh, do you keep sanctions going like we kept sanctions going while Saddam Hussein was still in power and so on? I think that's going to be an issue. How do you deal with a man who has acted in the way Putin has, has acted? That's going to be an issue. But I think we need to keep um, the territorial integrity of Ukraine to the fore. Certainly, the, the, at the very, very minimum, I think the conversation is going to evolve into containment of Putin's Russia, not necessarily long-term Russia. But look, let me ask you, about not so much the ground war right now, but but the the increasing talk about the war at sea potentially and this stranglehold that Russia has on the Black Sea coast of Ukraine, blocking grain shipments out of Odessa. It is becoming increasingly paramount with grain rotting in silos and then grain that is being harvested now. And you're a proponent of breaking the blockade if I can, if I can speak for you, yeah. I mean, I wrote a piece uh, with that as the headline, so I can't, uh, I can't escape the logic. I think actually, since then the, the conversations moved on um, because it is such an urgent international question. I think uh, lots of people, I think, were coming to the same conclusion very quickly that that, that the greatest international repercussions of this war will be if. Um, this huge amount of Ukrainian agricultural produce, it's not just grain, uh, can't get out. Um, I mean, some of it can get out, um, but probably only 15% um, of what needs to get out but by rail and road and so on. It has to be go by sea. I think this, the conversation's moved on and, and we're now talking um, uh, about more of an international effort, uh, humanitarian effort, uh, with the with the UN taking a lead, and that's partly because I think it's hard to do this um, in the short term without some sort of Russian cooperation. Frankly, I mean Russia has its own interests in this. Um, I don't think it helps Russia if it's seen to be the country that forces large numbers of other countries into starvation. Um, so I think the talk at the moment is of a humanitarian corridor. Um, in which shipping companies will just simply have to have confidence um, because otherwise the insurance premiums will be through the roof. So it, it's a very delicate act. Um, as I understand it, the, there's less concern on the military side with demining because um, it's, it's actually not that hard to find the mines. Uh, but the, but the, uh, basically, so long as Russian ships could take uh, shots at... at um, uh, the company in warships or, or, or 
or, or, or the um, container ships, then then it just won't happen because because of the um, it just becomes prohibitive for the companies. So uh, I, I think there's um, quite a lot of movement now on this issue. Uh, Russia's allowed um, ships to leave Mariupol, um, uh, where a number of them were were, were stuck. Um, I don't think it. Uh, I, I, the only optimism I have on 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 this issue at the moment is it 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 serves no interest of Russia um, to be seen to be um, forcing countries in, in, into not rocketing inflation and and even famine, except for the fact that it that it will help the Ukrainian economy as well. Okay, you're not a fan of NATO opening up a corridor because the risks for confrontation are too high? I, I, I'm just not sure it, 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 you, you'd get the shipping companies to to work with that. NATO, look, NATO ships are going to have to be involved. I mean, in the sense, US, Royal Navy or whatever, are go, are gonna, you're going to have to have uh, some ships involved in case, you know, the message hasn't gone through or as the Russia has done with other humanitarian operations in this war, um, it, it agrees to it and, and, then, takes, uh, and then start shelling. So um, I, 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 that's why it's a delicate thing, because nobody really trusts Russia to keep its word and it would blame the Ukrainians or whatever for doing this if it happened. So that's why um, I, I think I would always be wary of NATO branding. Um, uh, I think you could have an ad hoc coalition You've got to have Turkey on board, which is a member of NATO, but as we know, goes it to because Turkey, uh, you know, controls the entrance to the Black Sea. So uh, I think, in that sense, if it can be done through the UN, um, who were the ones who were involved in the discussion um, of, of evacuations in Mariupol and so on? If you can, if you can do that, then that's best. Um, you know, but, but I think this is this is an issue that's going to be resolved in the next one way or the other in in the in the next uh, in the next few weeks. Because if you if it if you wait until the new harvest is in, it's too late. What if Russia says no? They're not interested, and they try to uh, keep their foot on the neck uh, of those ports. I mean, national catastrophe. I mean, you know, the, the, sometimes there are problems for which there aren't good solutions. Um, and uh, you know, lots of efforts are being put into finding other routes uh, out of Ukraine, um, and you know they will make some progress, but they're just not enough compared with the, with with the scale of the problem. So you know we have to have our eyes wide open on this, and um, you know the, the thing is, NATO no doubt could sink the Black Sea Fleet. Um, with all the risks that would entail, um, but what it it wouldn't be able to do is to persuade um, uh, ship owners who are facing large insurance premiums to go and collect the grain. <laughs> that's, so <clears throat> that's that's the basic problem, and that's why I think at the moment the view is that, that this has to be handled through the UN. How do you handle it through the UN very quickly if? Russia has a, a veto on the Security Council. The fact is, if Russia wants to, to stop this happening, Russia can stop it happening. Um, I mean, Russia has its own interests, uh, not just in sort of PR terms, which doesn't always seem to bother it that much, but um, in getting it out its own fertilizers and exports and so on. 
Um, I mean, there'll be quid pro quos in this. You know, I, 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 again, I think you have to. We have to have our eyes open um, about what this will involve. I think this has to be in some ways separated from the war itself, um, and uh, it's an area where some concessions may have to be made um, in this very specific area of agricultural export um, to, to to make it happen. But you know. The tragedy that, uh, that, that could follow after a period, uh, you know, droughts and, and so on, where so it wasn't as if the food supply situation was great already. It was already very tight. The tragedies that could follow were enormous um, and uh, would hit every country in the world. So, you know, Russia and Ukraine between them, what, 40% or something of, of export? I mean, this this is serious stuff. Is this a, is this a coalition of the willing that was proposed by Lithuania, and then the UK said at first they wouldn't uh, contribute warships to the to the effort. Or do, do you feel we've moved on since then, and that the UK? I think, they, I think discussions are, are moving very fast at the moment. I, I, I mean, part because it's an urgent question, um, uh, an awful lot of um, policy making attention in. in Certainly, in the Ukrainian government, in Western governments, in the in the international agencies, is all going into this because we, you know, it's one of those problems that uh, not hard to work out cause and effect. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, often these very complicated problems and uh, many. This is quite straightforward. You've got to get that grain out and, uh, and to the places where it's needed, and then you can fill up the silos again and um, uh, and go to some sort of. Back and to let the agricultural cycle work itself through. There are other problems with Ukrainian agriculture because um, you know, the Russians have been targeting that as well. So it's, you know, the, the problem isn't over then, but but the, the immediate problem uh, is over. So you don't talk about breaking the blockade. You talk about a negotiated passage yeah, I mean, with I, Russia. I talked, about, I talked about breaking the blockade. Um, I, I'm now pretty convinced... Look, in fact, you have to break it. You have to stop it. But the, but the, the, it's not going to be so easy by forcing your way through uh, all guns blazing. All right. Professor, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate talking to okay. you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, sir. All right, General uh, Ben Hodges retired. is a former commander of U.S. Army Europe. He is currently the Pershing Chair in Strategic Studies, the Center for European Policy Analysis. Hi, General. Dana, good afternoon. Ben, if you can guide me through um, what's happening in the Black Sea, because a lot of people say that we're hearing a lot about the ground war, but in fact, there is a real struggle in the Black Sea to stop Russia uh, from permanently shutting down Ukraine's access to those waters. And there's a lot at stake for the world right now. Yeah, there is a lot of uh, illegal activity underway by the uh, Russian Federation, in, including their Navy. Uh, they've been doing this for years, and they just never have really been challenged adequately for what they're doing. The, the, uh, and, and certainly their operations are intended now to isolate Ukraine away from the Black Sea uh, for the purpose of wrecking their economy and as, as a stage and eliminating Ukraine as a state. So, so that's what this is about. 
And by blocking their ports or occupying their ports, of course, Ukraine is unable to export its uh, grain, which millions of people depend on around the world. And of course, Ukraine's economy depends on that a lot. So this, this is part of what's going on. The um, ability of Russia to launch missiles into apartment buildings from their Black Sea fleet is also um, a, a component of what's going on here. But look, this is uh, also about freedom of navigation on international water. Uh, Turkey, Turkey should be playing a critical role here. Turkey has, in fact, stopped Russian ships from entering the Black Sea through the Bosphorus, uh, through the tur- so-called Turkish Straits, which is a good thing. Although, frankly, I think it was a few weeks too late. Um, Turkey talks about regional ownership. And, and I think right now is a great opportunity for them to demonstrate regional ownership by uh, pressing Russia to allow grain export, for example, from Ukraine. Do you think that this blockade, which was never announced as a blockade, it was supposed to be a naval exercise, mm-hmm. is that an illegal blockade? Well, you know, a blockade is an act of war in, in legal terms. So if they don't declare it, I think this is Russia continuing to skirt around the edges of uh, of legality. But it was important that Turkey said that what's happening in Ukraine is a war. And so under Montreux Convention, that's that's the uh, description or the definition that they used in order to be able to restrict Russian warships from coming up through the straits. Um, the, the fact is Russia blocks grain shipments and other uh, shipments uh, through the port of Odessa, as well as other Ukrainian ports. There are nearly... 25 million tons of Ukrainian wheat stuck in Odessa. There are uh, commercial shipping vessels, not all of them Ukrainian. There are commercial shipping vessels that are are stuck there right now. There will be a harvest in Ukraine, which is the breadbasket, as as you've already referred to, uh, the the tremendous amount of grain that the world needs to feed hungry people. It is the breadbasket of the world to some degree, and so is Russia. is it time to launch an operation if Russia will not relent and allow those ports to operate? Who could launch an operation to open up uh, that seaway, if you will, to merchant vessels so that food can move around the world? So uh, you, you raise an important point. Uh, there are millions of tons of grain already harvested that are waiting to be delivered. And I spoke recently with a gentleman who uh, runs one of Ukraine's ports or has in the past. And he said that the type of grain that we're talking about does not store well. So it's at risk of of going bad here in in the next uh, few months if it doesn't get delivered in time. And then there is another crop that's coming in. Um, So we, we are at a situation where not only are people depending on this food, millions of people, particularly in Africa and the Middle East and somewhat in Asia, but um, it's going to get worse if it if it doesn't, uh, if this thing gets fixed. Now, clearly, uh, the United Nations has a role to play here. Uh, Russia, obviously, as a, a permanent member of the Security Council, will block or veto uh, actions by the United Nations that would force them to allow shipments to happen. Um, which, which I think is on a related uh, theme that we can discuss one day, does Russia deserve to have a seat on the UN Security Council with, uh, with uh, voting and veto rights 
uh, maybe it's time for the Security Council to be revamped. Nonetheless, I think we are getting close to the time where if the United Nations or the OSCE, Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, can't cause something to happen, then I think um, the United States or the Alliance or Turkey or somebody is going to have to uh, take decisive action to open this up. The, the Russian Navy is zero threat to any serious uh, NATO force. They, they are not that good. We That's been on display now for the past several months. They are not that good. So if it came down to it, the Russian Navy would be swept from the sea. The problem is we continue to deter ourselves and worry about provocation when, in fact, every time we've finally stepped over a threshold that we were scared of before, nothing's happened. And, and so I think it's time that we consider working with our Turkish ally, supporting them, enabling them um, to open up, to, to escort grain convoys and, and other merchant vessels to let them get out of Odessa and out of the Black Sea. So you're talking about a potential uh, confrontation between NATO ships uh, and Russian ships. Do you think that there is a way of tying a bow on this where Russia is told NATO forces that are, are moving in that area, which is international waters, right. are not going to confront uh, or attack Russian ships, but they are very serious about opening up world food shipments. Yeah, look, uh, the um, we have allowed the Russians to deter us, or we've deterred ourselves, because we're so concerned about something seen as provocation. Yeah, I mean, you remember what not long ago we were uh, seriously arguing about whether or not to give Stinger to the Russians. And and now here we are, we're providing artillery and rocket launch, all sorts of uh, real capability. And and I believe that this um, it would be another example of call their bluff and communicate directly to the Kremlin and say, look, this is a humanitarian mission. We're going to escort all these ships that are loaded with grain and any others to come from Odessa directly out through the straits to wherever the ports are, wherever they're supposed to deliver this grain. And we're going to open this up and we're going to protect it. And we're going to have uh, world's greatest air force overhead in international airspace. And if anybody messes with any of our uh, Turkish or Romanian or Bulgarian ships or whoever's escorting, then that ship is going to be uh, destroyed immediately. So this is a humanitarian mission. Now, I'm not naive. There are people that will faint at even the idea of doing this. And, and I was unsuccessful uh, in an effort with others to um, ask for a humanitarian uh, no-fly zone for the same reason, to help civilians get out. But if we don't, if we just allow this third-rate uh, country that happens to have nuclear weapons to continue to call the shots, then there, there are going to be global implications for this. And there are global implications right now as, pe as people are beginning to go hungry. Food prices are spiking and it's only going to get worse. General Ben Hodges, thank you so much, sir. All right, Dana, thanks for the privilege. And that's our backstory this week on Ukraine and world hunger. The blockade is illegal by any measure. The threat of Russia to use nuclear weapons is deterring NATO from clearing the Black Sea so far. But a coalition of the willing is likely. And with UN support, Russia would be foolish to try and challenge a corridor for safe passage of merchant vessels. Then again, Putin is showing contempt for the West and for much of the world. And a dramatic high-stakes play may soon unfold in the Black Sea. 
I'm Dana Lewis. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share Backstory, and I'll talk to you again soon.